Hey everyone, it's Sarah. So something that blows me away about Lucy's story is how integrated she was in Lou's life. Family, kids, vacations, everything. That will make sense to you when you hear how her time with him ends. Lucy is a mom, she's very no bullshit, and she holds nothing back when it comes to how Lou managed to pull off what he did with her. So curious to know if your question at the end of all of this is as profound as mine, which is what the heck is Lou's end game here? Like she said, he's running a very expensive facade. Then call me unimaginative, but I don't see any gain for him in the end here. I really appreciated the honest thoughts that she had to share when we discussed her healing process at the end of the episode. She shared thoughts about her own actions, how it affected her family and her relationships, where her head was, everything. I think you'll find her very easy to relate to. Content warnings for this episode are around infertility and domestic violence. Now for a quick reminder, if you missed it in the last episode's intro, you can now submit a story, short or not, for me to read in a mini-sode. Just email spaceandpurpose at gmail.com or shoot me a DM on Instagram at spaceandpurpose and throw in the subject or the headline mini-sode story or submission for a mini-sode just to help me stay organized. My name is Lucy. I'm from New Jersey and I'm a single mother to an amazing 13-year-old little girl. I met Lou on Tinder in December of 2018. He had his location set to a town, maybe a half hour from where I live, but he had currently resided in Virginia. So upon talking to him, he had told me he was down there for business, but his daughters lived up here. So he would come up every weekend and, you know, it seemed to work. And I was attracted to him. He was very attractive, very successful. The conversations that we had were of substance and it was interesting. So we agreed to go on a date maybe two weeks after we started talking on the app. He was actually 20 minutes late for the date. So, I mean, I'm punctual, but I figured, you know, maybe he was nervous or whatever. Had a great time, had dinner, drinks, and that was kind of the start of our relationship. And I was very attracted to him being four states away because as a single mother, I can't dedicate as much time as someone that doesn't have children can because she's with me all the time. So it's not like I can meet you for a drink on a Wednesday night. Like it just doesn't work with my schedule. So that was very appealing to me. And his business that he was in was very demanding as well. So we didn't require a lot of each other's time. And I trusted him. I had no reason not to trust him being four states away. He ended up meeting my daughter about a month after we started dating, came to the door with flowers for her. We went to dinner. I mean, it was great. And my daughter had met maybe two other people that I was dating. So this wasn't new to her, but I wasn't bringing every single person I went on a date with to meet my daughter. So I saw something in him that made me comfortable. And plus, he was a father of two girls. So I'm like, he knows how to deal with girls and whatnot. So we went to dinner. It was great. Then March of that year, actually it would be 2019 at this point, I met his mother, his daughters, his brother, and I think it was his sister. We went to some St. Patrick's Day thing and it was great. The kids all got along. My daughter was in the middle between his two age-wise and they got along great. 
And my daughter's an only child. So she had some kids to play with, which was great. So it made it so much easier to date one another and to progress because the kids got along and I got along with the kids and everything. I had planned a Disney trip for July of that year for my daughter and me to go. And Lou had said, Oh, why don't I take some time off work? And you know, we'll all go together. So it was great. We had a fantastic time. We were only dating maybe six months at that point. But there was no drama, no red flags for the first six months. So I was comfortable letting him kind of interject himself and his kids onto our trip, which was great. It was a lot of fun. We had a blast. Then August of that year, I believe is when I met his father and stepmother. We all went to a beach vacation for a week or two and like shared a house and fell in love with his father. His father loved me. I really, really liked his dad. We got along very, very well. You all stayed in the same house. All stayed in the same house. And his dad even, it was up in Canada and his father lives over the border in the States. And he offered to like bring our laundry back and forth and do it for us. He was very welcoming. I didn't feel uncomfortable sharing a, a rental home with my boyfriend's father. Like it wasn't weird. He was great. And we had a lot of conversations. It felt natural. It wasn't forced. So, I mean, I started to really fall in love with Lou more because I felt so interwoven in his family because he's literally introducing me to everybody. And they're great. And they're great. <laughs> well, his mother is a little difficult to get along with. I have a very strong personality and she's a little passive, but I was very respectful. It's his mother. We did not get along, but we didn't get along like swimmingly like I did with his father. And they were split, by the way. They were broken up. In October of that year, I wasn't allowed to have animals or pets in my townhouse that I rent. Lou knew this. So every weekend he would come up, he would spend the weekend at my house and sleep over, bring the kids. We'd blow up the air mattress and have a great time. So Lou decides to get a dog and doesn't really discuss it with me. Not that he had to, like we weren't married, we weren't engaged, but like, hey, I know this is going to affect our relationship because when I come up, I can't stay here because I have the dog. And it wasn't a tiny dog. It was like a German shepherd that he had gotten from work. He works with a government agency and they have dogs. So this particular dog was a dropout because he was too nice. But I'm great. I'm an animal lover. I appreciate it. But I got a little miffed because it does affect our relationship and the time that we spend together. So we got into a huge fight about that because I was verbalizing something that was a concern for our relationship. And he basically was telling me, you're not my wife. You're not my fiance. I don't have to ask your permission. I was like, well, that's not the direction I was taking it in. I'm just, you know, <laughs> it directly affects our relationship. So that put a little wrench in things, but we moved past it. Then was it that same year we went down to, I, I took his kids down to Virginia to meet up with them for the weekend. I think they had off for something. He had still had to work and he had just moved into an apartment and I was helping him basically start from scratch, buy everything new because the home that he was living in, it was too big. And he told me that this home was in case family comes to visit. So I'm like, hey, you have a four bedroom house for a single guy. Because at the time he told me he was divorced for like two years. I didn't mention that at the beginning. I apologize. He mentioned that he was divorced for two years. 
And I had questioned, like, why do you have such a big house for just for a single guy? Oh, well, I have a lot of family in case they want to come to Virginia to visit. Okay, no problem. Tells me he's moving out of that because it's too big. So he gets another apartment. I drive down there and help him basically set up house. Take his daughters and my daughter to Target to go buy literally down to a fork and spoon. I, Not my own money. He left me money to go do it and left me keys to his truck. And basically just got everything in his house from the sheets to the towels, cups, everything. While we were out doing things, his two daughters like really took a liking to me. They were very um, almost too attached now that I'm looking at it with a different view. They were very, very attached to me. But the oldest one would confide in me with certain things about her mom or like this certain person at school or whatever. And Lou used to get upset about that because she wasn't talking to him. So I felt almost put in the middle when I wasn't putting myself there. I'm just an ear for his daughter. And obviously, if it was something that was harmful, I told her, your father has to know, or your mother has to know, or whatever. So they were talking, as kids do, and they mentioned that they went to school in Virginia. So I said, you guys lived here? I'm trying not to have a reaction, because I don't want them to clam up and think they're saying something that they shouldn't be saying. So the little one said that they had went to the school and they loved it down here and it was so fun and this is what they used to do. So I wait until Lou comes home from work and I ask him very calmly, like, so-and-so told me that you guys used to live here. He's like, oh yeah, we lived here, meaning him, his ex-wife and two kids lived in that big house for some time and then it got to be too much with the divorce and whatever to cohabitate. So then his ex-wife, Anne, took the kids and moved back up to New Jersey. But he neglected to tell me that when we first started dating. So I'm like, now my wheels are starting to spin. And that's when the red flags start showing about almost a year into the relationship. Now, he's referring to the big house that you were kind of questioning. Why do you have such a big house? Is that the house that he and his ex used to live in? Yes. And you did not know that until now? Until 10 months into the relationship. And it was his daughter, his youngest daughter, who was like seven at the time. That revealed that. Right. So his youngest daughter had told me, oh, whatever about school, just talking like kids do. And I had confronted him about it, not in front of the kids. And he had started with the tears. And he's six foot two, 250 pounds. Like he's a big guy, tattooed. He's ex-military. Like he's a tough guy. Doesn't mean he can't have emotions, but he just has a very tough demeanor. And he starts crying. I'm sorry, I I didn't want to say anything to you because it's so complicated or whatever his tap dancing excuse was at the time. But we were in the middle of going to like a baseball game when we were talking about this. So I was like, not the forum. Just answer me. Are you really divorced as long as you had told me that you were divorced? Yes. He tells me right to my face. I'm like, okay. We head back up to New Jersey. Things are fine until about... December. It was coming up on our year anniversary. And I'm a single mother. My mom helps me out a lot at the time with my daughter because she was still young where she couldn't stay at home by herself and whatnot. So Lou had called me at work. And I get nervous when people call me at work. I'm in healthcare. So it's not like I'm readily available to just answer a phone. So he calls me, tells me he spoke to my mother, and he's planning or he had planned a tropical vacation for us for our year anniversary. 
And he wanted to make sure that my mom was around to take care of my daughter and that I need to put in for a vacation request at work. So I'm literally on cloud nine. I haven't been on a tropical vacation since my honeymoon with my first marriage. So, and he went above and beyond. It was this beautiful resort that he sent me the link to. I don't have to go and pay for anything because I had told him like, that's a little bit more than I would care to spend right now, unless you're okay with me paying it off my portion. He's like, don't worry about it. Everything's on me. It's okay. I still felt bad, but this was his idea. I had no idea about it. So we were supposed to go away in January of 2020, maybe like two weeks before he tells me he has to go to San Francisco for a business trip. So I'm upset because I already secured childcare, took off time from work because of a vacation that you planned. So he starts getting angry at me, screaming at me about like, I'm ungrateful, this whole thing. Then he offered to take me to San Francisco with him for his business trip. And he had no choice, even though this had been planned for a while. He told me he had no choice. Mind you, at the time, the position that he had was not the only person that would handle what he would be handling. So someone could have gone in his place very easily. So instead of just saying no, he said, why don't you come with me to San Francisco while I'm doing whatever I have to do during the day? You can go and sightsee and do this and do that. And I said, okay, you know, it's better than nothing. I'm apologizing to him. Sorry that I reacted that way. I was just very upset, basically groveling for having a normal reaction to something that's disappointing which was the theme throughout our relationship after this point. Then miraculously, he has to go get ear surgery. He was deployed to Iraq like three or four times. He was a Marine. He had an IED explode. He had trauma to the ear. He had multiple ear surgeries, so he had to go back for another set of ear surgeries. I volunteered to take him all the way down in Virginia, took off a week from work, had my daughter be watched by my mother so that I can be there for him for the surgery and the recovery and all that because he obviously can't drive. Then his mother shows up and is like questioning why I'm there. Why did I leave the door unlocked to take the dog for a walk? Every little thing that I was doing was being questioned under a microscope by his mother. And he didn't pipe up once to say anything. Mind you, I'm there for him going food shopping to make sure we have food so I can cook for you. The whole nine. His mother and I take him to surgery. She's questioning. He had this big, huge truck. Well, who's driving home? Well, I'm driving home. I know how to drive and it's a truck. But she started giving me shit for on the one that's driving. Why didn't I take my car? Like every little thing. Let's just focus on your son's surgery right now. That was in December. He recovers. His phone is going off like crazy when we get home and he's recovering. Now I'm driving around Virginia, picking up medicine, picking up food. You want ice cream? You want coffee? You want this? No problem. You just got out of surgery. He's blowing up his phone with somebody. All these weird women's numbers are coming up on his phone. So I'm like, well, who's that? Who's this? Starts screaming. People are questioning how I did with surgery. How dare you? I have people that care about me. I'm like, all I'm asking is, who are these people blowing your phone up? So that blew over. That happened to come right before we were supposed to go on vacation. So he couldn't fly, he said, because he had ear surgery and the altitude will do something to the ear. So now he's trying to get out of the second round of vacation that he had planned. 
and he begrudgingly rescheduled the first one that he canceled when we were supposed to go to San Francisco, ended up rescheduling it to a different resort is kind of a loose word for it. Not as beautiful as the first one. It was basically a glorified motel on a beach, which I don't want to sound ungrateful. I don't want to sound greedy, but not exactly what was planned before. So we end up going and we had a great time. Just a side note, while we were there, we were being intimate and he had said something about a rash or something going on down there. So we started laying the groundwork thinking that I gave him something. He was implying that you did. Yes. So he's like, this has never happened to me before. I don't know what this is. What are you doing when I'm down in Virginia? I'm like, literally doing nothing. I don't have time to scratch my butt, (laughs) much less have an affair. I have my kid all the time. And when I don't have her, I'm either driving down to Virginia to see you or you're driving up to see me. That's what I'm doing. So I didn't give it life because it was a BS accusatory tone he was taking with me. So I didn't even give it any life. So that was January. So February of 2020, I ended up getting a new job. So I was driving down to, because he used to stay at his mother's house when he wouldn't stay here because of the dog now. So I, I had found a radiology group was hiring. So I was like, oh, this is great. Perfect timing. It's down by his mom. So if we were ever to live together, it's close to his kids. You know what I mean? So I'm thinking like, I wanted to get out of the hospital that I was working in. This is perfect. Everything aligns. So I get the job. That was February of 2020. We all know what happened March 2020. COVID hits. So he comes up from Virginia on a temporary assignment the beginning of March, right, right before COVID hits. And he goes to a city close to Manhattan on the Jersey side. And again, me, him and his kids all go shopping and load up the cars like a big caravan going up to move him into this temporary housing that the government's putting him up in. Didn't want to live with me. He could have lived with me, but he decided to get this apartment in a very up and coming gentrified city in New Jersey. You know, it was two bedrooms. So we all would spend weekends there It had a pool, a barbecue. It was great. When COVID got really bad at the beginning, my parents are in their 70s and they were very, very nervous about it. And the thing that I took away from COVID and even being in healthcare, you can't minimize how people react to things with something like this. And we were all going through it. It's brand new. Who's gone through a pandemic? So we didn't know anything. The first week that it hit really bad, I ended up getting put on quarantine for a possible exposure. And that was when we had no testing no vaccines, no anything. So I'm scared shit because I have a kid. Plus I wasn't getting paid for the two weeks I was on quarantine. I had to do well checks every day. So being worried is an understatement. So my parents had expressed, well, if Lou is going to be in and out of the city, we don't want to watch your daughter if you're going to still continually see him because we want to keep our quarantine family together. So we weren't quarantining together, but that was in our circle. So I understood where they were coming from. And I had a conversation with Lou, like my parents are very concerned and I'm, I kind of agree with them a little bit. So if you're going to be back and forth with the city, well, let's just wait a couple of weeks. Let's see how this blows over. Cause everybody thought that would be done in two weeks. 
he got really upset about that. I'm not just your boyfriend. I'm like, no, but you are just my boyfriend. And he's being exposed to people that you and your parents are not. Correct. But his thing that was that I'm in healthcare and I see people that are sick more than he sees people. But you're in Manhattan. My brain at the time understood both sides. And I was like, okay, I understand where you're coming from. However, this is the reality. He had a great relationship with my mother. He sent her Valentine's Day flowers. The first May that we were dating was my mother's birthday. And he picked up the tab for like 15 people at dinner, bought them play tickets with parking. My birthday's in March. I got like a $50 gift card to Starbucks and I don't even drink Starbucks. So he was laying it on thick, laying it on thick with my mother, not with me. So I had said to him, Hey Lou, you know, you have such an issue. You can for sure reach out to my mom and say, Hey, I understand your concerns, but I really want to see Lucy. I really want to see her daughter. I, you know, but he never did that because whatever his reasons were. We didn't end up seeing each other until probably like April at that point. But I would drive by for his one daughter's birthday and things like that. So when things started to ease up and lighten up, we went on another beach vacation in August of 2020 together. Again, his father and stepmother came. It was a lot of fun. We extended it another week and he was still on the outs with my mother. Him and my mother had a huge fight about everything that happened with COVID because my mom had tried to extend an olive branch to say like, this is where I was coming from. This is where my husband was coming from. He would scream at her and call her like Mother Teresa and you're up on your high horse. Called her the C word, which I hate that word. (gasps) So I was like, hey, Lou, you have to understand, still my mother. That's a line. That's a line. Like you can't do that. So. Looking back, I should have done things a little bit differently regarding that. But I was so, you know, red flags look white when you have rose-colored glasses on. And I was trying to make a round peg fit into a square hole or whatever the expression is. So we went to Maine for a vacation. And he was just agitated and aggravated. Every little thing would set him off. So we were arguing about something like letting the kids go in the ocean or not letting them go in the ocean. There were other people in the ocean doing stuff and they asked. And I said, yeah, go ahead. And he starts screaming, well, there's a shark warning. I'm like, where's the shark warning? What are you talking about? So he gets angry, rips my umbrella out of the sand and it cracks. I mean, rageful, veins in his arms popping, veins in his neck popping. I'm like, what is happening right now? So my daughter and I, we like, I'm not exposing you to this. We go back up to the house, we shower, we go off and do our thing. We go souvenir shopping, whatever. I was this close to leaving and going to, I have family in New Hampshire. So I was like, we're going to go. I'm going to leave everything but my clothes here. Let's just go. So he comes back to the house and the fight still continues. The kids are upstairs crying because he's screaming at the top of his lungs. And then my cell phone starts ringing and my dad's like, what are you doing? Why are the kids calling us crying because you guys are fighting? That was hard because the kids heard it. The kids saw it. My daughter doesn't come from a screaming household. So this was foreign to her. So that was August of 2020. September, he moves back full time because he gets a full time job up in New York. So he starts laying the groundwork for finding a housing to live up here, but he was going to move in with his mother until he found housing because I wasn't quite ready to move in with him yet. 
But later on into the month, we start talking and I find a townhouse in my town to rent. So we all go look at it. Me, the kids, him. He told me he gave her a deposit. We're going to move in November, let's just say. I forget the date, but we were going to move in in November. Then in October, we all take a trip up to his father's house. On the way up there, he tells the kids that he's going to propose to me and shows them a picture of a ring that he and I both picked out right before we went on vacation. We went ring shopping and I picked out the ring that I wanted, showed them a picture of it. They're excited and come running out telling, oh, daddy's going to do something for you for Christmas and this whole big thing. So I kind of knew what was coming. I was going to say, that's kind of a bold move to trust that (laughs) to the kids. Yeah. Yeah. That was an okay trip. And then towards Halloween, he books a trip for us to go up to Salem for Halloween. And I was like, oh, cool. I've never been to Salem. That would be a lot of fun. Maybe a week before the trip, he starts picking fights. Any little thing, he's picking fights. And I'm thinking, I'm glad I'm such a bitch. Why am I being so nasty? Because he would point out things that I was saying or doing or whatever. We were seeing a therapist together at the time. And the therapist almost became our middleman when I'm like, that's not his role. Why are you going to him when you could be talking to me kind of thing? I was under the impression, I'm not going. I don't know where he is. I haven't heard from him in a couple of days. The day we were supposed to leave, I hear from him. Do you want to go to dinner? I'm like, yeah, sure. Let's go to dinner. He's like, but sometimes when we fight, my PTSD gets triggered because you're just on me like white on rice and you're just yelling. And I, I said, I don't remember yelling. I mean, this is my version. Who's the person that pulled an umbrella out of the ground and screamed? And Yeah, exactly. We end up going. And the whole time I'm with him, I'm like, I just don't feel right. Like this just does not feel right. We start walking around souvenir shopping. He's picking up like scarves. And looking at rings and like all these weird things. I'm like, who are you getting that for? Oh, my mom. Or oh, my oldest daughter. Oh, my youngest daughter. I was like, that's really weird because I don't think they'd be into that. But like, okay, whatever. I'm not going to look at everything you do under a microscope. So we end up getting into a huge fight on the way home. Driving because he's got a huge headache and it's raining. And I'm like, well, let me drive. If you've got a big headache, let me drive. No, 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 it's okay. I think, you know, it's whatever with your mom. And because that's still bothering him with the whole COVID thing. We end up fighting and he goes home. So I think, just to backtrack a little bit, October, right before we were supposed to do that Halloween trip, that's when he was like ghosting. He shows up at my job with flowers and a card. Now, I, at the time, did not have very solid boundaries. And I'm aware of that with myself at the time. So he had texted me, Hey, are you at work at this one location, which is literally a stone's throw from his mother's house? I said, yeah, I'm at work. He's like, okay. So I'm like, I've marked my words. He's going to show up. I said, I really don't want to see you right now. I'm trying to work through some stuff. He completely went over those boundaries as if they didn't even exist. Shows up to my job. Now I work in a medical office. So you have to have some type of decorum and some type of professionalism. So the front desk person comes in the back. And she has this big bouquet of flowers. And she's like, oh, somebody dropped these off for you. Look at this card. It's this handwritten card about you're the universe and we're meant to be together. Like this whole love bombing card. And I literally remember texting him. Thank you for the flowers. But I asked you not to come here. I asked you to give me some space. Which I was proud of myself because I didn't have those boundaries. And it was like I was starting to dip my toe in the pool 
It sounded like something was sort of cracking open for you at this point. You're going, wait, I actually asked this of you and you didn't honor that. Right. Yeah. So I was proud of myself. Like that was a small hurdle, but it was a big one for me. And sorry, how long had you been dating at this point? At least what? One, two years? Almost two years at this point. Yeah. And I had met everybody, extended uncles, aunts. I was very interwoven in his life. You know, I was under the impression. He was upset that I was upset about him coming. So I'm like, I have to deal with my patients. I can't deal with this. I leave work. Now I, there's a back parking lot. I pull out and there's only one way in, one way out. I pull out. Two minutes later, he calls me. He's like, didn't you see me? And I said, see you where? He's got this huge truck. It's very difficult to miss. I said, I didn't see you anywhere. He's like, yes, you did. You just completely ignored me. I'm like, okay, no, I didn't. Also, I told you just to leave me alone. He's like, well, I just wanted to come and talk. Well, I'm not ready to talk. I'll let you know when I'm ready to talk. So later on that night, he calls me again. I'm outside in your parking lot. Well, I'm not coming out to see you. My daughter's home. Like, I don't want any of this. Okay, well, I'm just going to go to my brother's house and then I'll call you on my way back. I'm like, you don't have to call me. It's fine. You've asked for space. Yes. He's losing it. He's losing it. But I'm not dangling the carrot in front. I'm not playing hard to get. I'm literally like, I love you. You mean a lot to me. This means a lot to me. I just need to work through some stuff. In order to do that, I just need some space and perspective away from you to think clearly. And you're not doing that. He did that a few times where he would just show up when I asked you not to, because this was cyclical. After that year, every couple of months or so, it would he would ghost me for a couple of days and then circle back. Oh, my PTSD was exacerbated. He went through stuff. I'm not taking that away from anybody in the military, but work through it. I even got to the point where I purchased a book, How to Love Somebody with PTSD, because I wanted to have the understanding of, okay, you're doing X, Y, and Z. What does that mean? I want to have an understanding of how you need me to love you, how I can love you safely for you, for me. And he was open talking about his PTSD, like what it looked like for him. And, you know, it wasn't loud noises or anything like that, but he was very candid about it. So he wasn't holding it to the chest, which I was like, hey, listen, I'm really proud of you for talking about this. I was very supportive. I got this book and I read it cover to cover and I highlighted it and I had notes in the margin and I would bring it to therapy and talk about this. Hey, does this resonate with you? Is this something that you would like me to do? Like whatever it was, because he kept hanging his hat on that. November of 2022, we had a blow up fight. It was his mother's birthday. I wasn't invited to it. And his excuse was, well, I didn't know my brother and his girlfriend and my sister and her fiance were coming. I'm like, it's your mother's birthday. And I literally live 25 minutes away from you. It would not have been a big deal to just extend the invitation for cake, extend the invitation for coffee, something. Don't make the decision for me. So that started a huge fight and he left and I basically broke up with him. I texted the woman that, because mind you, we were supposed to move into this townhouse and I don't have a fork packed, Sarah. I don't have anything packed because I think in the back of my mind, I knew it wasn't going to happen. And even my friends at work were like, hey, we just unloaded supplies. Do you want an empty box? I'm like, no, I'm okay. Looking back on it, I was, thank God I didn't get rid of my lease because I would have been living in my car. Yeah, you'd have been homeless. (laughs) Yeah. So that was... November. 
we make up or whatever. Then I go see him for Thanksgiving. Then he goes on a hunting trip with his father and he's very communicative while he's away. Cause that's all I asked him. I said, just text me. I'm going to be doing this for a couple hours just so I, my brain doesn't start going in circles and thinking the worst or whatever. December of 2020 is when that was the beginning of the end. He ghosted me for a solid two weeks out of nowhere. I was calling hospitals to see if he was there. I wasn't about to drive by his mother's house. I'm out to that point, but I was so nervous that I thought maybe he did something that he shouldn't have done. Like, well, you know, he struggles with he things. struggles. And also mm-hmm. in the meantime, you've been ring shopping in the past. Yeah. So this is all still in the air. Yeah. And we had a place that we were going to get married. It was this beautiful winery in Virginia. Like we had plans. I'm thinking maybe he was drinking and he's got guns. He's got access to all this stuff. And he's got friends that had decided to make a very permanent decision on their life. So my mind's racing like two weeks. Yeah. I'm calling emergency rooms from here to Virginia. That's very traumatizing. Yeah. Yep. I didn't sleep. I mean, I can go to Europe with the bags under my eyes, constantly crying, you name it. Then I see, I got an email from like a grocery store in Northern Jersey that he used my phone number when he did the checkout. So I know it's him because of what I see on the shopping list. So I was livid. I call him. He's not answering. I text him. I'm like, you literally stopped talking to me for two weeks and you use my number for a grocery shopping. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Now, in the meantime, our therapist is like, just give him time. He needs space. I'm like, I understand that, but communicate that to me. Cause I think you're dead on the side of the road somewhere or laying in an emergency room or a psych ward on like a 5150 or something like just what is going on? So a week before Christmas, he texts me. I don't remember what the context of it was, but he reached out and he's like, can you meet at our therapist office? There's things I would like to discuss with you or whatever. In the meantime, those two weeks that he had not spoken to me, I was spiraling. I looked up. So I knew he had purchased my ring from an online jewelry company because he sent me a picture of the box closed. This is before he ghosted me for the two weeks. He sent me a picture of the box closed. He goes, do you want to know what this is? I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll bite. Sends me a picture of the ring in the box opened. I know it's him and I know it's his mother's dining room table. So like, I'm like, oh, wow, it's beautiful. Why would you show me that? That's just so odd. I've been engaged before. I've been married. My ex-husband didn't show me the ring. It just, no. And not via text. Not via text. So because I'm super sleuth and the FBI has nothing on me, I log, I get onto the account. I didn't log in. It was just, all I needed was his phone number. And I just went into orders, whatever. And I ended up hearing the ring purchase. So I was like, okay, it's legit. Then I hear on the thing, there was another purchase of a pair of uh, earrings. So I go online with the order number and I look and I'm like, wow, these earrings look awful lot like the ones that I currently have in my ears that I bought myself. So I didn't say anything. When he reaches back out to me, I said, oh, by the way, whose earrings are these? And you had them shipped to a completely different town. Oh, those are for you. Those are your Christmas gifts. And I sent them to my buddy's house 
because his wife is home after getting a new kidney. This is how deep this went. I was like, oh, wow. That's detailed. That's very detailed. I said, that's crazy. I said, but they look exactly like the earrings that you see me wear literally every day. Why would you spend $1,500 on a pair of earrings that I have? Oh, well, I just figured, you know, maybe you can use bigger ones or whatever his excuse was. I was like, okay. So he asked for me to meet at our therapist office. I was like, I don't really know. I, I, I can't give you an answer. My therapist reaches out to me. Lucy, just hear him out, hear what he has to say. And I'm like, I, I don't know. So I end up deciding to go and I come in and I'm in scrubs from work. I'm mentally spent. I'm mentally exhausted. Lou is dressed to the nines, hair gelled and done, gorgeous sweater on that I bought him, a pair of dress jeans, nice shoes. I walk in and he's got like the boo-boo lip and he's fighting back the tears. And he gives me this big, huge bear hug. And he's like, let's just go to the courthouse tomorrow and get married. Let me just pick you up on your lunch break. Because he used to meet me for lunch. He used to come to my job. We used to go for lunch. And then he would drop me back off just to have some time together. So that the time the therapist was in the room and I said, no, I'm not marrying you like this. I'm not marrying you tomorrow. I'm not marrying you at a courthouse. And there's nothing wrong with a courthouse wedding. Zero. The manner in which he suggested it was what I had a problem with. So I said, no, I stood by my guns and I'm, I'm not doing it. So that was a week before Christmas, Christmas Eve. He tells me he's up at his boss's house having dinner with them. And I said, okay, well, you could have come here with me and had dinner with me. Oh, no, your mom and dad are there. Tell them to leave. Nope, not going to tell my parents to leave my house. That's not going to happen. So he's texting me, I'm in your parking lot and I see your parents' car. Tell them to leave. So I walk out to the parking lot and I meet him because stupidly, I bought him and his kids a gift for Christmas because I thought that's what we, where we were heading, like a family. And he has a trunk full of gifts. And I'm like, are you going or coming? Who are all these gifts for? I, oh, they're just for so-and-so. And he started rattling off ants and whatever. I was like, okay. So he hands me my gift. I go in the house. I open it. Not the earrings that he bought from online, but they're a different pair of earrings. Beautiful. Diamond hoops. I said, oh, what happened to the earrings that you bought? Oh, you returned them. Oh, okay. Take it at face value. January, mid-January comes along. He picks another fight over something. Asks for the earrings back. So I said, no problem. I don't care. I don't need them. Drop them off at my mom's house. No, I don't want to be anywhere near you or your family. I'm not dropping them off at your mother's house. So my dad, bless his heart, sent them FedEx and wrote out the address label, all that. So Lou texts me because I sent him the tracking number. It's a business transaction at this point is how I'm looking at it. I'm keeping it very black and white, no emotions involved. Stick a stamp on it. There you go. Here's the tracking number so that you can track it and have proof that I sent it. Whose handwriting is this? It's my dad's. Well, why did your father, why didn't you just drop it off? Again, because I don't want to see you. I don't want anything to do with you. Then he circles back and my therapist gets on him and was like, eh, it's a little tacky to ask for the earrings back. And he's like, oh, do you want them back? I said, absolutely not. This was like February. Absolutely not. I don't want them back. Give them to your sister. 
So his sister was due to get married. But with COVID, it was like, poor thing planned her wedding like four times. I felt really bad for her. So I said, give them to your sister. She's getting married. They're beautiful. I wore them a handful of times. We end up going to a jujitsu thing that he was doing. His friends were doing it. So we were driving up there in February. And I said, oh, by the way, what'd you do with those earrings? He's like, well, I gave them to my sister. You said you didn't want them back. I'm like, no, I didn't. But I didn't think you would actually give them to your sister. Like, they were in my ears. That's freaking gross, man. It's like, here's a pair of underwear. I only wore them once. (laughs) Um, But uh, he invites me and my daughter on a skiing trip up to Vermont for some time in February, one of the times when the kids were off school. So I said, yes, I can go. I said, but I'm one income. I make good money, but I don't make the six figures he makes that he can just throw money at anything. I said, it's an expensive trip. I will go as long as you have the understanding that I will pay you back in installments for my share of the lift tickets and the Airbnb and et cetera. Just, just show me the receipts. And where is your relationship at at this point? Because he's still... We're together. We're talking. I'm under the impression that we're just working through things. Okay. I'm on the outs with my family because of him. I take ownership of it. I had a very big part in that, but I was so blind to the mental abuse. And my dad is very quiet and very understated. And he even said to me, you understand you're being mentally abused, right? No, I'm not. You don't understand. I was jumping on the sword for him at any cost. I get it. Yeah, yeah. So I agree to go. We go up to this jujitsu thing and he's like, oh, you know what? We're going to drive by the skiing place. I'm going to pick you guys up some snow pants since you don't have snow pants. We've never skied, my daughter and I. It was all foreign to us. Dropped like a good two, three $300 on these snow pants. And I'm just like, oh, God, this is so overwhelming. Then it came time to go on the trip. Ghost me again. No. Ghost me again. Now, my daughter and his oldest, my daughter and both of his daughters were friends on like online gaming. They had each other's cell phone numbers. They were in communication with each other. His oldest daughter had my cell phone number. She used to text me like, I love you. I can't wait to see you. We had a good relationship. And I earned that. It wasn't like, hey, I'm dating your dad. You have to like me. This was an earned thing, which I think was the appeal for her because she was on the spectrum. So I kind of like let her do her thing. And like I understood she had no control over certain things. So I was a little bit more patient with her than her own father. So I think she kind of gravitated towards me and really towards my daughter. So my daughters were home and she's like, mom, Beth said that her dad has another girlfriend. I said, what are you talking about? What do you mean? So I take my daughter's phone and sure enough, it's like, oh, my dad's dating this woman that he works with. So my blood goes cold. I feel like I'm going to like (laughs) throw up. So I call him and he's still at work. Text him. I'm like, you need to call me right now. Beth is telling my daughter that you have a girlfriend at work. What's going on? Oh, she's talking about this woman. Maria that I worked with years and years ago that we were friendly and we knew each other and had pool parties. Then he ghosts me. We don't end up going on the trip. And I had tried to make arrangements to like, we had a bunny at the time to like put her somewhere else. Like we made arrangements for things and then just, nope. 
we start talking again somehow. And again, like, I don't remember how we ended up circling back and talking, but it was always him reaching out. It was never me being successful on the other end, getting him on the phone. Cause I tried to reach out just to say like, if you're going to end this, let's end this. We owe it to each other. We owe it to our relationship to just be mature and talk about it instead of ghosting. So we end up talking again about maybe like end of February. We decide to not bring the kids around each other because we didn't want them to see us fighting. We wanted to work on each other and our relationship before we started bringing the kids back around again. So I said, all right, that's fair. I'll bite. I'll do that. I end up deciding to go on a dating app because I'm like, this is too much for me. We can talk and work things through, but I probably, sh- I had no place being on a dating app. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm fully aware, but I went on one and I see him on there. Oh my. I lost it. Lost it. I cried so hard. I'm like, what is this? What's going on? Why are you on this? Mind you, I'm on there. So I, I understand how this comes across and sounds. I just had enough of the back and forth. And he's like, well, my friend saw you on there. So I made an account so that I can see you on there. And I'm like, mm, I don't buy that because my location wasn't where your friend is. You know, you could set like a radius. Wasn't there, but whatever. So I was talking to somebody on one of, on that app and we had plans to have dinner. So Lou sends me text messages. Where's your date on Friday? I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, I know you have a date on Friday. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not like, how did you know that? I was just like, I don't know what you're talking about. Now he works for the government. So my paranoia starts going up like crazy. What did you hack into? What do you look at? Like, honestly? So he says, well, it's me and my friend that pretended to be this guy. It's not really the guy that you're going out with. It's me and my other friend. My head is spinning. So I had never spoken to this guy on the phone. It was just through the app. So I asked my friend at work, I'm like, call this guy, get on my thing, on my app and call him, whatever. And it sounded like a very artificial intelligence muffled voice. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, oh my God. It's this, I don't have confirmation if that was really him or not, but I was, nope, I'm not going out. I said, I'm not going out with this guy. To this day, you don't know if your ex actually baited you? Nope. Because I I was so petrified to go to this date. I'm four foot 11. I'm tiny. Like I said, he's big, burly law enforcement. His friend was in law enforcement. I'm like, I'm not walking into the lion's den here. If this is true, I'm not doing that. That's so scary. Yeah. So I immediately like deleted the app. I was like, I want to vomit. So my birthday was the middle of March and he texts me again out of nowhere. Are you at work? Here we go. Yes, I'm at work. I tried sending you flowers for your birthday, but it looks like you rejected them. So I don't know what you're talking about. Nobody came. I was in a different office, but our office is huge. I said, no one came to tell me that there was a floral delivery. They know that I'm here. They know there's one Lucy that works. Maybe they went to a different office or whatever. So he's convinced that I rejected them and that I didn't want them. I'm like, I don't, P.S. I don't want them. See if you can get your money back. 
So he's like, I'm just going to try again tomorrow. I'm like, no, that's okay. Yeah, I appreciate the gesture. And at this point, we're still not, I'm still recovering from the potential catfish situation. And what was his excuse for ghosting you again? Didn't give me one. He doesn't give me one. It always did circle back to the PTSD thing that he didn't know what to say, you know, with certain things, but he never took ownership or accountability for anything. It always made it seem like it was my boisterous demeanor or how I communicated that pushed him away. Meanwhile, he's the one that's starting it by not answering phone calls, not answering text messages, asking for earrings back, planning vacations, and then not. Oh, and now you're stuck on this nightmare of an emotional circus ride. Yep. Yeah. So this was May, April, May of 2021. So we're dating almost two years now at this point, off and on, mind you. I'm not on dating apps. He tells me he has to go to Miami for business. And I'm like, okay, that's weird. Never calls me, never sends me any of his itineraries. He used to travel a lot for work and would send me his flight information, his hotel information, like just to have it because I just want to make sure you landed safely. I want to make sure, you know, I care about you. Never did that for this trip, which I thought was very odd. Didn't hear from him at all. Comes back very tanned, very tanned. He had, quote, meetings with FBI agents that were classified. He couldn't talk about it. So he was supposed to fly home from Miami, like on a Saturday, let's just say. And then he's telling me, I got bumped because I'm government and they're going to give it to somebody else. So I'm here another day. I'm like, that's a little weird. He again takes me out for lunch when he finally comes back. We talk things through and he's showing me pictures. So it looks like you're on vacation. Doesn't look like it was much of a work trip. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we did have downtime. I'm like, yeah, downtime during the day to go to the beach. All right, whatever. This was May of, again, 2021. This was like Memorial Day. He's like, I'm going to go out to this really nice steakhouse with my jujitsu buddies. And I'm like, that's a kind of weird thing to go to this steakhouse with $100 steaks with a bunch of buddies that you wrestle on the floor with. Usually it's like beer and wings and pizza and this and that. We meet up the next day to go to dinner and he starts with a huge fight. We have a huge fight over nothing or over everything. Like I couldn't even tell you what it was. After dinner, I said, are you going to come back to my house with me or are you just going to go home? He's like, no, 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 I'll come back to your house. So I get back to my house. 20 minutes go by, a half an hour, 40 minutes go by. I'm like, where are you? He's like, I just don't feel emotionally ready to come to your house. I think I'm just going to sleep on the side of the road in my truck. I have nowhere to go. I'm like, what are you talking about? You have nowhere to go. I'm like, your mother's right there. Come to my house. If you don't want to sleep in bed with me, sleep on a couch. Just don't sleep on the side of the road. That's ridiculous. So he finally comes to my house and he's bawling his eyes out. He's like, I'm just so sorry. I'm just so messed up. I don't know what's wrong with me. The whole sad, poor, woe is me thing. Then he tells me maybe like a week later that he went to the doctor and he's like, do you remember when we went on vacation and I told you that I had that red thing going on down there? And I said, yeah. He goes, yeah, well, it happened again. So you need to tell me what you're doing because the doctor told me that I have whatever it was, some kind of STD. And I'm like, well, you didn't get it from me. So I don't know what to tell you. So the next day I'm like running like a crazy person to the minute clinic to get every test under the sun. Cause I mean, we're not using protection. We also haven't gotten pregnant. 
as a side note, we weren't avoiding it, but we weren't trying either. And he would send me things on IVF because I was pushing 40 or I was like mid thirties, late thirties. He's like, well, maybe it's you. Maybe it's something like you're getting older and all this other stuff. I said, you know what? Maybe it is. I had had a really hard time getting pregnant with my daughter and he knew that I had multiple miscarriages. I had a lot, I had a very hard time and I had a very hard pregnancy. So he knew this and he was like, maybe you have not that many eggs left or you're infertile or whatever. Little deviated from what I was talking about with this, with the STD. So I run and go get an STD test and it was negative. Everything was negative that he's saying that he's testing positive for. So I said, I'd like to see the lab results. If you're saying you're positive, let me see that. I don't have them. Oh, you can get them. I said, I know your doctor. I know your doctor very well. I can call her and I can get that too. But HIPAA, obviously you can't. But so he tells me he's going to his dad's house to think. He's driving seven hours to upstate New York to go think at his father's house. I'm like, okay, what are you thinking about? Don't hear from him for a week. One whole week. And I could have reached out to his father, but I didn't. You know what? You can do your thing, whatever. Comes back. I get a text. Do you want to meet for coffee? So we meet maybe two or three days later for coffee. And we start talking things through. He's like, I just don't know which way we're going to go. This is too much back and forth for me. You're doing it. I'm not doing it. You're doing the back and forth. You're saying you have an STD. I don't have it. So end of May again. He asked me what I'm doing. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to actually going out with my friends from work. We're going to some beach bar because I work in a beach town. Which one are you going to? I'm not telling you that. Shows up to my office with the kids in the car. Now, mind you, I haven't seen them since November. I walk out front and I could tell that they're uncomfortable. And I'm like, hey, guys, what's going on? I haven't seen you in so long. Like, everything's fine. Everything's hunky-dory. He's like, oh, where are you going for dinner? We're looking to go to dinner somewhere. So I, like an idiot, tell him where we're going to dinner. He's freaking using the kids. Yep. My friend and I drive to meet 15, 20 people. All these people from work, we're all wearing our scrubs and you know we're having a really good time and I'm having a good time despite everything that I've been through. And they all know this. All my coworkers know. They're like, leave him. He's just no good for you. And I'm just like, no, no, no. So we're driving, looking for a parking spot. And who do I see? Lou driving because he's a very noticeable truck. And I'm just like, oh my God. And I duck down. We have a table upstairs. They're outside on a patio. Text me, are you here? And I said, yeah, I saw you and I know you're here. He goes, well, why don't you come downstairs? Come see the kids. We came here for you. We want to have dinner with you. Well, I have plans with my friends. Sorry, it didn't work out, but I can't have dinner with you guys. So he starts laying into me on text message. So I was like, hey, let me just go downstairs. Let me just appease him for a minute so I can be present with my work thing going on. That's what he wants. Right. So I go downstairs for maybe like five minutes, go back upstairs. He texts me, I'm going to go take the kids back to my mom's house. I'm going to go shower and come back. I'm like, I might not be here. Like, you don't have to come back. All of us end up staying out till like maybe 11 o'clock. He shows up and none of my friends like him. So my one girlfriend that I work with, she's like, you need to love her better. Like we've all been drinking. So she's giving him the riot act. And he's like, well, it's none of your business and this, that, and the other thing. And I'm just like, can you not talk to my friends this way? They're just looking out for me because you're a piece of shit to me and I'm allowing it. 
so we end up, he drives me back to my office. The beginning of June, he invites me to go to the beach with him and his kids. My daughter was with her father. So we were there. It was a fairly nice afternoon at the beach. He says, I love you. Gives me a kiss in front of the kids. They go off and do their thing. The next day he texts me. Oh, I just got into a big fight with my brother. And I said, oh, was it because you saw me? Because you haven't seen me in a while and you brought the kids around me. He's like, it's not about you. Why do you think everything's about you? I don't think everything's about me, but that's the only difference that's been going on is that you saw me and brought the kids around out of nowhere. So he's like, well, I'm going to go up to my friend John's house with the kids. I said, you're going to bring two kids to sleep over at your friend John's house. Is Anne, your ex-wife, okay with that? That's just weird. Where are they going to sleep? They have school the next day. Like, this is just weird. I'm like, just come here. Don't be stupid. Like, he's like, I'm already on my way. Okay, whatever. It's fine. Then he starts ghosting me again. This is when I get the balls and I text his ex-wife. And I ask her, I said, hey, Ann, it's Lucy. I just want to talk to you about some things, if you don't mind discussing it with me. She's like, absolutely not. I'll be free later. We were on the phone for four hours that night. And she told me that they got divorced a year into us dating. Whoa. Yeah. So he even produced a fake divorce decree and showed me because I needed proof. Remember when I told you he was like, oh, I'm not. He said he wasn't divorced that long and I confronted him about it. And I said, well, I'm going to need to see your divorce decree. So he sends me a picture of it. So his ex-wife, Ann, tells me, no, she's like, I filed for divorce in January of 2019. We started dating in January of 2019. She goes, that was the house that we lived in together. We sold our house up in New Jersey. We all moved down there as a very happy nuclear family. And the kids loved it there. She's like, I loved it there. And then she found out that he was cheating on her and packed up the kids, packed up the dog and moved in with her parents back up to New Jersey. Then I, she tells me that the reason why he and I weren't getting pregnant is because he had a vasectomy in 2016. So he is making me think that we're not getting pregnant because I'm the problem. After the trauma that you've already endured. Yes. After three miscarriages, that part was the hardest thing for me to grapple with. Her and I just basically, you know, share notes and compare notes like, well, he told me this and he told me that. Now, I had met his ex-wife, Anne, at a birthday party for their oldest daughter. And his mom was like, don't you go out there? Don't give her the luxury of you going and introducing yourself. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. She needs to meet me more than I need to meet her. I'm around her children. I have nothing to hide. And I would love to get along with my partner's ex-wife. And she's the mother of these kids. They're going to be co-parenting. Right. She's a lovely woman. Lovely woman. And I would listen with like half an ear when he would bad mouth her. Now today, when someone that I'm dating starts bad mouthing their ex, I'm like, oh, this is red flags. Because I'm always like, what's your role in your divorce? Everyone's got a role, right? So she tells me he had the vasectomy and cheated on her with this woman that he worked with while he was in the tri-state area before they moved down to Virginia. That was a very hard thing to swallow. And then she tells me that he has been dating this woman, Marie, that he works with in the city 
since October of 2020, 2021, whatever it was, when we went to Salem is when he first started dating her. But he had mentioned her to me. That was when he was showing you a ring. That was when he was showing me a ring, telling the kids he's going to propose. Yeah. So he started dating her then. And he had mentioned her to me. He's like, yeah, there's this woman that I work with and she's ex-military and her former husband was ex-military and he ended his life like 10 years ago. And I'm like, wow, that's really sad. I'm glad that you're there for her. Like, I'm not jealous. I'm like, I'm really glad that you're able to like understand where she's coming from, have some sympathy, have some empathy, not knowing if she could be 30, she could be 60. I don't know how old this woman is, but he's like, yeah, this woman, Marie, she was in the army and she kind of like brings out the worst in me with my PTSD. So I didn't think anything of it. And then when his ex-wife, Anne, mentioned her name, I'm like, that son of a bitch. He's dating her and he mentioned her to me. So I reach out to her on Instagram. Hi, Marie. My name is Lucy. I understand you've been dating Lou since blah, 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 blah. Just want to let you know I've been dating him since January of 2019. Call me. She calls me. Hi, how are you? This whole big thing. She's like, I had a funny feeling that he was seeing you. I found a love note in his backpack. Is this from you? And I said, no, actually, that's not my handwriting. And it says, love loose. He never called me loose. So I said, that's somebody else. So she's like, yeah, I have a funny feeling he's dating this other woman, Lucy. So I'm dealing with Marie. And she was lovely. She was a lovely person. She wasn't angry. We were both calmly talking about, hey, when he said he was here, he was really with me. When he took her and her daughter to the skiing trip that he ghosted me on. He went on the skiing trip. And took her and her daughter. And the scarves and the whatever he bought in Salem were for her and her daughter. She tells me that Lou showed her a picture of the ring that he got me and had every intention of proposing to her. Asked for her father's hand permission to propose to her with this ring. She tells me it's a beautiful ring, but it's not my style. I'm like, yeah, it's my style. I picked out that ring. Like, that's what I wanted. It's, I said, it's size five and a half. This is the size. Yep, that's it. She sends me a picture of the receipt. Because he kept, he was living with her. Living with her. Where is she located? She's in Northern Jersey. They share an office. So we cross our T's, we dot our I's, and she's like, he made reservations to go to the hatchet throwing thing. And I said, yeah, he asked me to that, but I couldn't. She's like, oh yeah, because he went with the other one, the other Lucy. So I find the other Lucy. She wasn't so understanding. She's like, you're psychotic. You don't know what you're talking about. You're nuts. So me and Marie are like talking about everything. I get on Tinder and I match with the other Lucy's ex-husband on purpose. Wait, whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How? So I, when I found her on Facebook or whatever, I saw pictures of her family. So I know what her ex-husband looks like. I wasn't looking for him, mind you. I was just swiping, mindlessly swiping. And I see him and I was like, oh shit, that's Lucy's ex-husband or soon to be ex-husband. So I swipe right. There's a match. I'm like, I'm not going to say anything unless he messages me. 
Two seconds later, hey, Lucy, how are you? He messages me. So I go back and forth with whatever. And I said, just out of curiosity, do you have an ex-wife named Lucy? He's like, yeah, why? Well, she's dating somebody that I used to date at the same time. And he's cheating on her with this person, Marie. He goes, call me. So I call him and tell him the whole story that I had just told you. He goes, let me give you her sister's number. Her sister is an attorney. Lucy's sister? Lucy's sister's an attorney. So I said to her ex-husband, I said, are you sending me to the lion's den? Like, is she going to listen to me? He goes, absolutely. So I call her sister and she's like, do you mind if I take notes? I'm like, absolutely not. She goes, you know, I had a funny feeling that things just wouldn't add up because he was always wishy-washy and things like that. I even showed him places to move into because she's a real estate attorney. So she's like, I had my realtors that I know show him places to live and this, that, and the other thing. So she's like, well, I'm going to go to Lucy's house tomorrow. And I told her, I reached out to her twice. She's not having it. She doesn't want to listen. She doesn't want to hear it. So she's like, well, let me go over there and talk to her. So she goes over there and talks to her. She calls me and gets them both on the phone. So this was September of 2021 now at this point. And I had met Lou at his house. He knew that I knew about Marie. We never talked about it. It was just a kind of like died a natural death. And he just went off into the sunset with Marie. And Marie knew all the stuff he was doing and took him back anyway. So I said, you're a lost cause. You're a grown woman. I told you what this is. You do with it what you want to do with it. August of that year, I get a text message from this bogus number. I'm sorry. So I'm like, who is this? He goes on this whole long diatribe. I know it's him. It's on a Google voice number. So I said, you don't have to waste your apologies on me. You need to apologize to Marie and you need to apologize to your ex-wife and to your children. I don't need your apology. I'm good. A month or so later, he circles back again on his regular number. That So I know it's his number because I stupidly didn't block it. And he's like, can we talk about things? I'm sorry how they were left off. I'm like, yeah, actually we can talk. So I laid into him crying, screaming, which is the worst possible thing that you can do with a narcissist or somebody with sociopathy or psychopathy because it's just feeding them. Him and I agreed to meet up, which was my biggest regret slash maybe not so regret of my life because it led me to where I am today. So I ended up meeting him at his house and we talked about everything and I cried and he cried and you know, I just said, how long did you think you were going to go on with this? And he was very forthright. And I just thought I can get away with it. I said, are you still dating Marie? And he goes, no, that's over. I'm with this other Lucy. And I think I love her. Okay, great. I wish nothing but the best for you. Go right off into the sunset. So he's continually texting me. Oh, I have the kids down at the boardwalk, this, that, and the other thing. Then I get angry. So I reach out to Lucy again. She doesn't answer. And then that's when I saw her ex-husband on Tinder. So I told her sister this whole big story. They get on the phone with me. And I said, well, I actually just saw him two days ago at his house. Well, if he hurt you so bad, why would you go to his house? I'm like, I don't know you an explanation. You're a stranger. I'm just looking out for you woman to woman. This is who you're dating. I just want you to know. She's like, well, how do I know you're lying? And I explained every little detail of his house. 
oh, he has this back there. His grill is red. He has a white mountain bike here. He has this over the fireplace. Very detailed. So that gets her attention. So she's like, well, he's actually on his way over here right now. I said, before you do anything, reach out to Marie on Instagram. Here's her Instagram handle. You guys need to discuss. They got together and discussed stuff. Lucy and Marie were both realizing that he was cheating on them. He told Lucy, oh, I'm going to San Diego on business. Meanwhile, he's in the hotel room with Marie on business. And Lucy had no idea. So I facilitated that union that you guys need to discuss. So Lou shows up to Lucy's house and Lucy's sister's on the phone with me. And I can hear this in the background screaming, calling me a psycho. She's psychotic. She's not over me yet. And Lucy has the receipts because she's talking to Marie. So Lucy goes to Marie, where's the dog? He had a dog. Oh, he's with me. She goes, oh, he told me that the dog's at his house. Send me a picture. Marie sends Lucy a picture of her and the dog. And she goes, Lou, where's the dog? Oh, he's at my house. Oh, yeah? Shows him the picture that Marie sent. So he's getting caught literally red-handed. He's still trying to lie his way out of it. Lucy's sister's like, okay, he's leaving. He's leaving. Two seconds later, he's calling me on my phone, texting me. I hope you're happy. It's your fault. Turns out he showed Lucy the same ring and wanted to propose to her. So that's three people he showed this ring to with the intentions of proposing. I can't. So, and he had asked Marie's father for her hand in marriage. Yep. Had been deeply involved with your family and you with his, but he's also showing this ring to a third woman. Yep. Mm -hmm. I think where my understanding just reaches its limit is I can understand the need for like that feed and the attention, but where logically he can't end up with any of you if he's doing this. Right. What's the end game? Who's he going to marry? Exactly. And it's a very expensive facade. That was like a $15,000 ring that he's, it was gorgeous. And they both said, Lucy, you have great taste, but that's not my taste. I said, yeah, I know because it's my, (laughs) it's my ring. That was in September ish. They go about their ways, whatever. We have a lot of three-way phone calls and showing each other pictures and cards. And, you know, everyone's just sharing notes about the past six months, a year, two years. So you have a lot of pieces to put together because I still, who was in Miami, who was, why did the tropical vacation get canceled? That was a work trip. What, San Francisco, you know, did he actually have surgery? He did have surgery, but he had went to, so when he went to his dad's house in May, because he had to think about the phantom STD that he said he had. He was in the Dominican Republic with Lucy. Oh. Yes. So they started dating in March of 2021 when he was sending me flowers to work. They started dating then and went to the Dominican Republic in May. I've heard a lot and I've been impressed before, but this is a whole new level. Yeah. It's a lot to like tell this story. It's a very heavy story. There's heavier, I've heard heavier, but this is just, there's so many moving parts to it. Now, I had only reached out to the two women that directly affected me, but there were others. He had multiple people down in 
Virginia, Washington, D.C. area. There was photo proof of that on Instagram that I found out through Marie. Marie's like, here, check this one out. Check that one out. Check this one out. But she knew fully well what he was and kept taking him back multiple times. She told me that she was upset at me that I went to his house in September. And I'm like, you have no right to be angry at me. You're taking this man back knowing full well what he's doing. She's got her own stuff to work through. You're a grown woman. I have nothing. I worry about what's under my roof. We lose, you know, we all like, hey, best of luck. I'm glad everyone's so happy. Thank you for reaching out, whatever. November, right before Thanksgiving, I'm sitting, getting my nails done. And I'm, I'm in a good place. I'm still going to therapy. I'm working through my things, but I'm fairly happy. I can breathe. I don't feel like there's a weight on my chest. I don't feel stressed or anxious because that factor is out of my life now. I get a text message from Lucy and Marie. Are you with Lou? I'm like, what? I haven't seen him since September. I'm like, no, I'm not. Why? He was cheating on both of them at the same time again after all this came to light. I hope they weren't shocked. I I can't. So I get an invitation from Marie and Lucy to go out for drinks. So I was like, yeah, sure, I'll bite. I'd like to see you guys face to face. And this is a a first wives club type thing, you know? (laughs) So we meet up and we had a plan to have someone take our photo with giving the middle finger and sending it to him because he has no idea that would really grind his gears if you saw all three of us together. So we all sit down. We're maybe half a margarita in. And Marie's like, well, Lou knows that we're here. Well, how does Lou know that we're here? Well, I told him we were meeting up. I slept with him the other day. So Lucy smacks Marie on the cheek like, what are you doing? So the middle finger picture's not going to have that much weight on it because he knows where we are. This girl needs help. Yes, tremendously. So I have expected my tires to be slashed outside. He knows my car. We get a little tipsy. Marie goes back to her house. Lucy and I go back to her house. We Uber it. And he's blowing up Lucy's phone, blowing it up, blowing up. So I answer it. And we're sitting on the couch together. And he just goes white. I'm like, what's up, Lou? How you doing? (laughs) Put Lucy on. I'm like, no. I'm not. I'm not going to do it. Oh, don't listen to her. She's full of shit. I'm like, dude, I have nothing to do with it this time. I'm out. They figured it out on their own somehow. That was the end of that with Lucy and Marie. But Marie was with him still. After that, I come to find out because she ended up blocking me and Lucy on social media, our phone numbers and stuff like that. Lucy and I are still friends. I met her current boyfriend You know, we've gone out to shows together. We've gone out to dinners together. Like our kids have met. We're invested in each other's dating life and all that kind of stuff. But Marie is a whole other ball of wax. So they, this was this time last year, last April, May-ish, I get a text message from Lucy. Marie found out that Lou was dating somebody else named Lynn. And Marie and Lou were supposed to go on vacation together, but he was pulling his same stuff, canceled, and ended up going on a trip with Lynn. Fast forward to present time, 
they're getting married in August, Lou and this woman, Lynn. He moved into her home after three months of dating and knowing each other. Probably had to move fast. And side note, have you seen her ring? It's not the ring that he got me. Sorry if I was jumping ahead. I had nope, to ask. It's okay. That was the first. And it turn, comes to find out she is friends with somebody that I work with. So we know a lot of the same people. So myself, Lucy, and Marie reached out to her under our Finstas, our fake Instagrams. And we're like, hey, listen, you're probably not going to listen to us. We have firsthand knowledge that he is not a good guy. He is and was probably cheating on you, just eyes wide open. And then it turns into you're psycho, you're crazy, you're the, okay, well, we tried. All three of you? All three of us. All three of us. Our psycho. Yep. Yeah. We tried. But yeah, he moved in after three months, got engaged after six. And according to Lou's ex-wife, who is still interwoven because of her children, screams at the new fiance, screams at the new fiance's children a lot. She has three boys. So we were all coming from a place. We're all single mothers. We were kind of coming from a place of you're a grown woman. You're a mother first and foremost. You need to protect your children from him because he's toxic. And if you don't want to listen, fine. We try. I could put my head on my pillow knowing I tried. I saved one person, but I'm not going to save the world. And she also has nothing to do with me. So I, my goal with that wasn't as intense as it was with Marie or Lucy because she has nothing to do with me. Marie and Lucy did. We shared the same man at the same time. So that directly impacted my life and my health and my safety. We all three of us assured each other like, hey, man, we're all clean, right? <laughs> Nothing's going on. He's currently engaged and they're getting married. And this year, this August. Yep. I don't wish him happiness. I don't wish him ill will. I wish him whatever life has in store for him and hope it doesn't directly affect his children anymore because they see they see what he is. When we were all out for dinner and drinks, we all were FaceTiming his children and they were like, we're so happy that you guys are calling out daddy. And I was like, I'm so sorry, guys, because he told them that I cheated on him. That's why we weren't seeing one another. I said, girls, I loved your dad very much. I didn't cheat on him. I saw a future with us. I saw us being a family. So the fact that they see what their father is kills me. Every little girl and boy needs their father and they need a healthy father. Lou's ex-wife, I feel like just doesn't want to ruffle feathers and just puts her head in the sand and her tail between her legs. We're like, I'm mama bear. You're doing this to my kid. You're exposing them to three different women potentially in the same time frame. He saw me on a Saturday, saw Marie on a Sunday, and then saw the other Lucy on a Friday. What? So she, but legally, is she forced to share custody with him? Is there some way that's their own journey yeah. to figure out? But and and Lucy both knew that I'm doing this podcast, and they were giving me their blessing. But Anne had reached out to me last week and had said, is there anything that's going on? Are you guys messing with Lou at all? I said, no, not at all. Why? What's going on? Evidently, somebody had made a complaint against him at work. So he is on notice with something, with his behavior. And I believe Marie filed a domestic violence suit with the government agency that they work for 
to put him on alert to potentially have his badge and gun removed or administrative leave, something to that effect. So he's feeling some sort of pressure from some degree that myself or the other Lucy have nothing to do with. We're so far removed from it. But Anne reached out to me and asked if there was something going on because his behavior was so erratic and all over the place. I'm like, well, this is who he is. You were with him for 15, 20 years. This is not a surprise that we should sit here and scratch our head and figure out why is he acting like this? He wants to get the children in family therapy with his soon-to-be wife because he feels that their relationship isn't what it should be. Imagine that. But mind you, these poor kids were exposed to, don't tell mommy that we were here. And don't tell Lucy that we were with Marie. And don't tell Marie that we were with Lynn. They've seen it all. Asking their children, his children, to lie is a very heavy thing for kids because you need to keep them intellectually safe. You need to keep them physically safe. And by asking them to lie about something so profound, they're petrified because they don't want to slip up. They can't handle that. Yeah. No, and they're naturally going to be protective of him just because they look up to him as their father. Yeah, and they're scared of him. And they don't want to go to his home anymore. They're very vocal with that. And in the state of New Jersey... 13 is the age where children can say, I don't want to go. And his oldest daughter, I think, is like 15 or something at this point. And she's just like, nope. And he gets angry and yells at her for not wanting to go. Instead of sitting there and saying, what do you need from me to fix this? How can we go forward and like be an adult and, I don't know, say I'm sorry? That's not on the table. Yeah. Yeah. So the the younger, his younger daughter's not old enough to make that decision yet? Another year or two. Yeah, it's sad because, I mean, my daughter, my heart would be breaking for her if she didn't want to go to her dad's house. But also, I'm the type of mother that I would call him out on his shit. You can do what you want to do. You can date 10 people. Don't bring them around my kids. I don't care what you do in your personal life. Your social life is yours. Just keep it separate. Be a dad. You get them twice a month or whatever it is their arrangement is, be a father. But he's using them. They're a tool. Yes. I'm sure to appeal to other women, especially single moms. I mean, look at how that that endeared him to you so quickly because his girls got along with your daughter. Yeah. And they got along with me great. I was very, I wanted to earn their trust. I wanted to earn their love. I wanted to earn all those things. And I feel like I did. And he used to get angry at me if his oldest daughter, she would text me, oh, hey, what are you doing? I'm just on a field trip. I just wanted to say I love you. And I would send him the screenshot and he would get so angry at me. Just would be like, I I don't understand why you're angry at me. If my daughter did that to you, I'd be like, oh my goodness, that is so sweet. That's exciting. I'm so happy. Yeah, like that's huge. I've broken up with people that my daughter didn't like or I felt a weird vibe with them when they were around my daughter. Like she comes first. Well, yeah, and this could potentially be her future father figure if you end up with him so that I would be excited to hear that she's saying I love you and yeah, yeah. attached to him. Absolutely. You know, my daughter was very, she saw it. She saw it before I saw it. She's very intuitive. And he would scream at these kids. He would tell them, like, shut the F up. I'm like, these are little girls, like little girls. And again, even if they were boys, doesn't matter. They're children. Why are you screaming and carrying on? Manage your temper. 
that's where it is now. And, and I have no desire to mess up his life, mess up his career, mess up his personal life. I'm so grateful for platforms like this and something was wrong. And people like Dr. Romney that have these podcasts that had I known what this was, like if I listened to something was wrong or your podcast or Rock to Romney, while I was going through this, I probably would have been more inclined to get out sooner. Looking back, you probably see a lot more now. Even Well, you mentioned at the very beginning, there were no red flags. It's funny because I said the same thing about my experience. Yeah. Looking back, would you still say that that's the case at the very beginning during the honeymoon phase? Yeah, absolutely. But I think maybe the only red flag that I could say would be like the love bombing. He was so over the top with the gesture with my mother's birthday, the trip to the tropical island for our anniversary. Those are extravagant gifts. So that maybe would be the only thing that I would say is a red flag, just because that's not really like my love language. You know, I don't need things. I just wanted to spend time with him. And I just wanted, you know, just making memories. I didn't really need it to be $5,000 trip to a tropical island, you know. And that's clearer to you now. Now, yes. But I feel like I didn't put that vibe out there when we first started dating because I'm very independent. I do things on my own. I very rarely ask for help, not in a stubborn way, but I'm just so used to doing everything on my own. And even now with my current dating life, I kind of like date with my life is fulfilled. I'm very happy. A man would just add to it. I don't want another project. If I have to Google what's going on, you're out. <laughs> probably a red flag. Yeah. Probably a red flag. If you have to put on your FBI hat. <laughs> yeah, but it took a very big toll on my family. And I'm very blessed that I have the family that I have because I could have lost them very, very easily. That was going to be my next question. I know your parents went through the ringer with his everything. Yeah. So when they found out all this, you know, was done, where are things at now? How have they processed? Where's everyone at? So I have an older sister. She was a little, not harder to come around, but she's like, I just need time. And I said, I get it. I went to literally everyone in my family and I was like, I'm very sorry. I know sorry is not going to make up for this, but I was not in the right frame of mind. I was very with the, the goggles on and I was very unwilling to see past the end of my nose what was really going on. So I deeply, deeply apologize. So she took some time to come around, but my parents are great. They're proud of me as far as where I've come in my healing because they knew and they know now everything that went on, but they didn't know it at the time in real time, what was going on, obviously, because I wanted to protect him because I wanted a life with him. I wanted a marriage to the point where Lou had suggested that his father walk me down the aisle not my own father, which broke my heart because my father and I are close with respect to things like that. He's a very quiet man, but I'm very close with him. We've had some things in our family, like he had cancer. I had some health issues that kind of brought us closer together because we were kind of like, oh, well, when you went through this, was that what I'm going through? Because I, I, I need some validation. So my dad and I have gotten closer over tragedy, if you will. So the, for my dad to reach out and say, you're in an abusive relationship and we can't sit by and watch this, killed me. But I was willing to throw all that away for this person. That's something that I 
am still reconciling with myself and I'm trying to give myself grace with that because I was not the same person I am today two years ago. This is this has been done for two years at this point. But everyone's great now. And at first, when I first started getting back out there dating, my parents were very like afraid and gun shy that that would happen again. And I understood it and I understood where they were coming from. But I think my behavior towards men and dating is not closed off, so to speak, but more of you need to earn certain things. Like I'm not just going to give it up so freely and easily like I did with Lou. So I think the fact that they see what I'm doing and I'm not just verbalizing it, but I'm at my actions and my words are matching up. They can breathe a little bit better because they're like, we can't lose you again. Again, I'm very blessed that even the friends that I have, I have a very close tight knit group of friends. I can count on one hand, the close friends that I have and I'm okay. It's quality, not quantity. And I almost lost them because I was lying to their faces. No, I'm not seeing him. No, we're not talking. I'm very much seeing him. I'm very much talking to him. That's how deep those yeah. emotional hooks can go. To the point where they were like, we love you, but he is not welcome in our home. And if you two do get married, we're not coming. It was that intense. I was a willing participant. I'm not putting it all on him, but I was a willing participant in that potential demise of my family relationships and my friendships. My friends are very close to the point where I'm one of their son's godmothers. You know what I mean? So it, they mean a lot to me, their family. And for them to say, we're not supportive of this. We love you. And we'll be here when you finally wake up. But I can't deal with the lying. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. You're a thousand percent right. And good for them for saying, because I don't know, sometimes even with what I've seen, it's hard to say it will be here when you wake up because you just want to shake that person. But all the so I hope that speaks to people that are watching this happen in a friend or family member's life. But at the same time, I hope that what you're saying, your honesty about where your headspace was at and what you were willing to do to keep this relationship, I hope that hits the ears of someone who is currently in that space and it opens their eyes to see a pattern. Things will get better on the other side. And I think a lot of it is you need to have self-worth and know your self-worth and really believe it. Not just say it, but really believe it and own it and show it in your actions and really, really with the boundaries. I would, I did not have boundaries. And if I did, they were like rubber. They were glass. You would just shatter right through them. And I was just like, okay, because I wanted to be the easy girlfriend and go along with the flow and not cause a ruckus. And that's not being... <laughs> It's not being true to yourself. No, and he didn't make it easy. It's clear to see a lot of, about him by how he responded to your boundaries. Right. He busted right through them. Yep, exactly. But if he needed space or he needed time, I would afford him that. Yeah, and he forced it on you. He just would ghost you. <laughs> yes, but that was the worst thing because just speaking as women, like our brains just go off to like the darkest, deepest rabbit holes of, oh, who is he with? And sometimes it could be true and sometimes it's not. But in my case, it was so much deeper than what I ever anticipated it to be. I mean, I think I counted six women that he was with over the years. And those are the ones you still know about. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I just sit here and I, the level of exhaustion and time and energy 
that takes for someone to pull it off. And for as long as he did, it just blows my mind. Like you don't have time for anything else. And the money to go back, those earrings that he purchased, he ended up giving them to Marie for Christmas. He didn't return them. He gave them to her. So right there, that Christmas cost him over $3,000. It's just an expensive guise to keep up when you can just end it with somebody. And I think he's still doing it to his current fiance. And it's horrible because she's innocent and she's got three boys that probably sort of look up to him in a way. And, you know, you don't want to see it and you don't want to listen to when people try to tell you. But humble pie is very hard to swallow. But... I'm glad I swallowed it because I wouldn't be, who knows where I'd be right now. An emotionally abusive relationship that it could have potentially turned into a physical one. Like, and we always say as women, like, oh, that'll never be me. That'll never be me. I'll never allow a man to talk to me like that. I'll never allow a man to, no, I was that woman and I allowed a man to talk to me that way. And I've heard on various podcasts, I wish he just would have hit me because you can see the bruises, you can see the bumps, you can see everything. And that's, profoundly screwed up to wish for someone to hit me instead of verbally and emotionally abuse me. It's easier to see. It's easier to justify walking away. There's so much shame and fear, I think, attached with leaving. And if it, if the abuse is mostly emotional, I think it can feel very isolating because how do you explain it to someone else? And how do you even recognize it for yourself or realize, oh, it's bad enough? Yep. Especially if it's not always like that. And it sounds like Luke could turn on the charm. He could put on the good outfit. He had the good job. He had the ability to pursue and woo. So yeah, he had the financial means. Yes. It's not all bad. Nope. And it's really not. When it was good, it was great. But when it was bad, it was atomic bomb bad. And I started getting my confidence slowly but surely back in the course of our ghosting, not ghosting, ghosting, not ghosting. And when you stick up for yourself to a narcissistic type personality like that, they don't like it. They don't know what to do. They don't like it. They need to keep up the facade. He had a very prominent position with the company that he was with. So if that goes to shit, what does that say for him as a per? You know what I mean? So I just hope that whoever's out listening to this, I wish... I had that when I was going through it. I wish I had a platform to listen to, to know, A, you're not alone. B, it will get better. You just have to stick to your guns, stick to your boundaries that you're setting up and just know that it's not going to get better with that person. It's just going to get progressively worse. It never gets better. And this is not normal. There is something better out there. (laughs) And it's preventing you from meeting that if that's your goal, it's preventing you from meeting that person. I mean, I'm currently single and I'm that way for a reason, not because I didn't give him the power to make me not believe in love again and to think everyone's the same. But I do thank him, not really him, but I thank the experience for opening up my eyes and not being so naive and maybe being a little harder and not being so Pollyanna and taking everybody at their word with certain things. But in the age of online dating, 
you kind of have to believe what they're saying until you have something that shows you that it's not true, unfortunately. So there's a little risk, but you gain some tools to yes. navigate, I think, better. Exactly. Because there are protections that you can put in place with online dating. You can seek out his community. You can look for other consistencies. But I mean, for where you are right now, yeah, like if someone's looking for someone else in the future, yeah, the right thing will come along. But in my mind, it's better to be single and free than to have someone and be in the situation, a situation like you were in. Yeah, for sure. I knew when you and I talked, I was like, Ooh, it's going to be a doozy, but I was not. Yeah. Yeah. It's heavy. And I loved that you asked the question. And I said this to everyone that knows what I'm doing. I said, you know, I was really happy that she asked the question, like, what is your goal for doing this? That was a really good question because it's not a vigilante thing. It's not like I'm trying to screw his life. It's just, I want to have a voice and use your platform to make women and men feel like you're not alone and this is a normal thing. And I think narcissism and narcissistic whatever is being thrown around a little loosely these last couple of years. But it's an actual, it's not just you're walking past a mirror and you're like, oh, I look really pretty today. This is, he's pathological and he's malignant. I feel like there's nobody in his life that are like, oh, I'm so happy you're in it. I mean, unfortunately, even his own children are looking and saying, I'm so glad that you guys nailed daddy because we saw what was going on and we were basically asked to shush. And it's unfortunate they don't have an adult on their end that is willing to stick up for them in a way of like, hey, you're doing a lot of harm to our kids by bringing them around multiple women. Can you not do that? But that's her story. That has nothing to do with me. It's just I know the type of single mother that I am. And no man is worth that. His kids will have their own story. Hope that as they grow up and their eyes stay open and they're strong, that they'll stay strong. Yeah. And it just shows them how not to be, I feel like, you know, and that goes for any type of family that you grow up in a nuclear family. If there's alcoholism, if there's drugs, if there's infidelity or whatever, it's just like, hey, I want to take these lemons and just make lemonade and just not be that person. I'm very happy in the space that I'm in now. And I'm grateful for the experience now, obviously not going through it. But now that I've had a lot of distance from it, and I've healed, but there's still some triggers that I do have with certain things with my personal life. If someone doesn't answer me back for hours and hours and hours on end, I'm just like, okay, who are you sleeping with? You know, but that's something that I'm working with. And, you know, I will continue to work on that. And I don't bring it into my current relationships. But that is a trigger of mine. And I just try to keep busy when something like that comes up. And you have this good, it's good to recognize it and check in with yourself. Exactly. Go, okay, is this my past coming up or is there evidence? Right, exactly. What's facts and what's opinions here? Yep. Well, I'm just very thankful for your openness and honesty. Yeah, no, I I really appreciate it. And like I said, you know, you, you handle everyone's story with such grace and respect, which is huge because it does take a lot, no matter how much time has passed, for people to reopen those wounds and talk about it. But, you know, I feel like the women that are on your podcast are coming from a place, the same place I'm coming from, just to bring awareness and, you know, not necessarily to nail somebody, but like, hey, this is, I don't want this to happen to somebody. I don't want you getting into something for five years and then realize, you know what I mean? So the fact that you handle things with such grace, respect, 
that's huge for people like myself who are tends to be closed off to open up and, and really discuss not so nice events in our lives that have happened. Well, like you said, it's humbling to have gone through something like this. So who oh, yeah. am I to, you know, <laughs> Yeah, I can't judge. I can't. I was a different person then and I had the same feelings now. So it's easy for me, you know, when people tell me, I, I you know, I can't believe I fell into it. I'm like, I can. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, you get upset with yourself that you quote allowed it to happen, but you know, you're so blind and you you're in love with the future faking and the life that they're painting for you, whatever that box comes in, whether it's a white pick and fence and a family and a dog, or is it just traveling around the world? Like whatever that is for you. You can do that for yourself. You know, Miley Cyrus, like I buy myself flowers. I don't, need, <laughs> I, don't need, I don't need anybody else to do it. If it hasn't happened to you before, it's kind of a form of mind control in a weird way. I see it as more of like this chemical brain response that none of us are immune to if we haven't experienced it before. Love bombing is really powerful. It really and is. That's how we get sucked in. <laughs> that's what we hold on to. But Dr. Romani's podcast is amazing. And her YouTubes are amazing. Her books are amazing. Like she is the forefront expert on these things. And I'm laying here listening to things and I'm laughing out loud like, holy hell, that was my relationship. Where were you two and a half years ago? Oh my God. And I actually ended up giving our old therapist all of her books. I'm like, I don't need these anymore. You need to bone up on your narcissistic stuff because he's like, I am so sorry. I didn't see it. He duped me too. And I'm like, you're a lot of therapists are unaware of things like that. And it's unfortunate. He's checked off a bunch of stuff in that DSM (laughs) five. Happens all the time. Happens all the time. Even a therapist. So that should make all the rest of us feel better. (laughs) Yeah, right. If it duped him, then oh my goodness. Yep. Thank you for being here, for subscribing, and for coming along with me as I learn the world of podcasting in this community take shape. I have so many incredible stories coming next that I'm honestly having a hard time waiting each week to share the next one with you. If you found value in these conversations and you haven't already left a review, it would mean the world if you took a quick moment to write one or just share this with a friend who would appreciate it. Reviews and word of mouth are what grows a podcast. If you would like to help sustain this project, you can go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash space and purpose, and all contributions go directly to supporting the ongoing costs of this podcast. If you can relate to any of the stories you've heard so far due to an experience with a manipulative or toxic person, and you feel you've successfully put some distance between you and that experience, you might want to consider reaching out to me via email so we can talk about sharing your story. That email is spaceandpurpose at gmail.com. Now, this isn't necessarily a platform to out someone or air frustrations, but hopefully to validate or affirm someone else that might relate and needs the encouragement. Last but not least, if you found this episode to be impactful, you will always make my day by posting about it in your Instagram stories and tagging me at Space and Purpose. I would love to hear from you. 